This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin is brought to you by Stoke Seeds. Select from the finest quality vegetable and flower seed at stokeseeds.com and get growing with Stokes. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I'm your host, co-host, Dean Holland, the newest little transplant in the garden of Charlie Dobbin, who's here with me. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent this morning, Dean. How are you doing? I'm really well. Yeah, I'm really well. It's uh, It's a... I will say it's balmy at my house today. It is only minus 17, and it feels positively <laughs> tropical. <laughs> yeah, it's about the same here. I think we're about about minus 15 or 16 as well. We were looking at it this morning as we were waking up because it has been quite nippy here. When I, It was minus 16 yesterday. It's that wind that makes it really cold. Yeah, that north wind. And it's actually a little bit of snow coming down at my place, too. Uh, and I'm I'm happy to report, well, I guess happy in the sense that I'm happy that the birds, more birds have found my bird feeders. This has been a bit of a process teaching wild birds that there's free seed at my house. <laughs> um, but the cold has really brought them out. So I've had just flocks of juncos and chickadees and finches all lined up at my different feeders. And I've been having to actually fill my feeders every day. So that's to me is very exciting, but I'm you know I'm, I'm glad they're getting some food. They definitely need it when it's that cold. Yeah. Now my dad was a birder uh, for many years. He he passed about five years ago, but he was huge on birds. Uh, he lived his last twenty years of his life down in Florida, so he had them all year round. But yeah. I remember him telling me that that I think once you start to feed them and they get used to that, you, you they kind of know where to come back to. So you you kind of then are on the hook to keep going. Exactly. So they have exactly there's a positive and a negative to that. One is you cannot ever go away. Right. <laughs> but the positive is that they know where you are, so they come to you. Uh, and if you are going away for some reason, make sure somebody is filling your feeders in the winter. It's not so important in the summer, but they do become. I feel they become pretty reliant when it's super cold for all those nice fat, you know, fat juicy seeds. The seeds are so full of oils and fats that that really keeps them going. Right. Speaking of coming to you, I better give out those numbers because oh, uh, yeah. we have a lot of lines open, uh, although we have some waiting already. In Toronto, 416-360-047, sorry, 0740 is the number you call. And uh, anywhere in the province of Ontario, it's a toll-free number, one 740 And do let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller because then we will give you your, your earned garden wings right there. And, of course, uh, our mantra, call often, call early, and one question per call, please. Okay? We do have to take a very quick break now, but we will be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Indeed, we are back with The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin, I'm Dean Holland. 
I'm going to give those numbers out one more time. Anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie, we have Mabel on the line and she's calling from Caledonia. How are you this morning, Mabel? Oh, I'm just fine, thank you. Good morning and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Even though it's just flying past, isn't it? Sure uh, is. My problem this morning, Charlie, I it's it's an emergency. This poor Christmas cactus, I think it needs a resuscitation. <laughs> uh, it's an old Christmas cactus. It's probably over sixty five years old. My mom gave it to me uh, shortly after I was married, and uh, it hangs usually around five feet. Uh, from the edge of the container. In in November, it had uh, over 130 uh, buds on it, and they came out, and it looked fantastic. And all of a sudden, uh, I noticed that after it quit blooming, it started to wilt. And it looks just like an old dish rag. And so I have taken it and... Uh, dumped it out and carefully uh, took all the old dirt off of it that I could, and I've transplanted it, but I'm wondering if I should cut it back significantly. I mean, I'll never, ever live to see it as long as it is right now, but uh, it's so limp. Uh, I, I have no idea. I do have a moisture meter. I probably should have used it at Mm-hmm. I, I just missed uh, catching right. it when it just first started, and so, so maybe now I'm. When you, sorry, but when you did the transplanting, uh, you did you give it a bigger pot with fresh soil, and did you water it at that time? I put it back in the same size pot that it was in, but mm-hmm. I did give it all new soil. And I just put a little bit of water in it because I'm not sure if it was. If it went limp because it was overwatered or underwatered. When you well, when you took it out of the original pot in the original soil, was it quite moist? The soil? <coughs> no, the soil dead? seemed to be. Well, I would call it dead. It it oh, just yeah. Uh, it does. So, I mean, it was dead. dry now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Just trying to clarify the the if we overwater plants because what you're saying is absolutely true, Mabel. That underwatering and overwatering often look exactly the same to us. So it's quite hard sometimes to know. So if you think a plant's been overwatered, your moisture meter is a absolute you know perfect thing to test with to see how moist the soil is without you having to take it out of the pot and all that stuff. Or plants that are in soil forever and ever and ever, the soil does become dead or inert. Uh, it loses any real function other than to provide something for the roots to to be to hold the plant upright in, but otherwise not doing a lot of favors to the plant. So fresh soil can be a, an excellent idea. Winter is never the best time for transplanting, but you know you got to do what you got to do. The soil you bought was probably bone dry in the bag. So always, always moisten the soil before you do any kind of planting into it. And you'd be amazed how much water it takes to moisten a dry peat moss based potting mix. So moisten the soil. 
and and then plant, of course, then water once and then don't water again until the soil is bone dry. If a plant's been overwatered and you take it out of the pot, you can usually smell the roots and they will have a, a smell, smell very swampy. So there'll be a, because rot will have started. Uh, if indeed you did overwater, there'll be a real swampy smell. Not, a, not an earthy smell, but a real, you know, not nice smell from the rotting roots. And that's usually a good way to figure out if you have overwatered something. So for now, I'd use my moisture meter, see what it says. The plant does need at least one good thorough watering and the soil needs to be thoroughly moistened and then it needs to be left alone until it's bone dry. So well, you'll yep, have to see if it what reads the moisture right now levels between look a like. one and a half and a two on my moisture meter. Yeah, which is pretty dry. Right. But it's still very limp and it didn't perk up at all when you did the transplanting, it sounds like. I just did it uh, two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah, so keep it in the same. It's obviously had a good location in your house where it's been for so many years. So keep it in that same location. But don't be afraid to give it a real proper thorough watering. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's just the plants do need water, right? So um, so don't be afraid to uh, to just let the a good thorough watering put that, uh, get, give that plant some moisture to stand up. I mean, that limpness is from lack of water sometimes, or it's from lack of ability to stand up because the roots are rotting and if the roots aren't rotting then i'd give it a real good thorough watering so it's kind of one of those you'll have to figure it out it sounds like it's pretty dry right now so right i'd be i'd be inclined to give it room temperature good thorough watering and then no more water for probably a month or so like a lo- quite a long time okay Great. thanks okay, mabel thank you very much thanks mabel and- and you know what, just um, quickly dean this mm-hmm. kind of connects to an email that we received it does yeah uh, no i i yeah did you want to just do a quick read on this email? And it's from Aldina. Yeah, for sure. We can, uh, let me see here. Yep. Uh, I've got a handy if you don't. Yeah, yeah. No, I got it here uh, from Aldina. Yeah, and if, it's an 11-year-old Christmas cactus. It's quite mm-hmm. wilted. And she mm-hmm. said she's been removing the tips, which are dehydrated. Her aunt has rather poor eyesight, and she doesn't know whether she left it underwater for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And it had been watered when he, she brought it home. And she also added a bit more in the bottom in case it was still dry. So she said mm-hmm. it, it had a couple of small flower buds, still has one or two, which she's hoping may open. What should she do to rejuvenate it is what she asks. That's right. And she sent a photograph. <clears throat> And her photograph sounds very similar to Mabel's mm-hmm. Christmas cactus. Not as big, though, because Mabel's is probably the prize winner when it comes to size and age. This yeah. one isn't quite that big, but it's certainly a substantial size. So same thing with Aldina. Get that moisture me- meter. Stick it in the soil. Like, don't be afraid. I think people are afraid that they're going to overwater. So they give, like, a teaspoon of water every week. And that's not the way to do it. Don't give tiny bits of water often. Give lots of water rarely so totally opposite real thorough watering till water is draining out the drainage holes in the pot and then let the plant dry down and that's true for all of our house plants none of these little teaspoons of water if you're gonna water make it worth worthwhile for the plant Gotcha. It's like me and potato chips. I cannot do three or four <laughs> potato chips a day. I wait, and once a week, I eat the whole bag. <laughs> okay. hey, and on that note, I have to take a break, because otherwise Carlos will be all over me. Okay, here we go, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
indeed exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Charlie and I were talking during the break and found out that we're both salt and vinegar people in, in potato chip land, for sure. <laughs> Charlie, I've got Evelyn. Uh, no, sorry, I've got Clark. Clark on the line from Maple, Ontario. Welcome to the show, Clark. Thank you. Good morning, uh, Charlie. It's a morning. pleasure to be uh, speaking with you this morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, so, Charlie, I have uh, five blue spruce uh, in my front yard. Um, I got them oh, about 20 years ago. Uh, four of them have done fabulously. They're now like 35 feet tall and more than a, a foot in diameter. Uh, problem was about oh, 12 years ago, there was a damaging wind. One of them got the top taken off, and it's just um, I, I cut it down because I was told, you know, cut it at an angle and uh, one of the branches will become dominant and, you know, uh, form, a, I don't know, grow upwards. But the problem right now is it's growing outwards, but it's not growing upwards. Is there anything that I can do to help it along? So is this one of these 30 foot tall trees you're dealing with? Um, well, it's not. The others, the other ones are 30 feet, but this one's oh. like more like seven feet. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's kind of manageable. short and stout. Okay, so you're right. When a when an evergreen, you know, a spruce or a pine, something that should have a single leader or terminal uh, bud, which is your straight up top of the plant that gives you that pyramidal shape. When it loses that leader, we often will see side branching and side growth. And of course, the form of the plant is destroyed when it loses the leader. Um, what happens is, like you said, it's got, it feels like it's going more out than up. But you have to jump in there and be the master of this plant at some point. And what I use is I'll get a, like a, a stick that I find or uh, something even like a good solid chopstick will work. So you need a straight uh, outdoor, able, something or other that you're actually going to either wire or tape onto the straightest looking uh, branch that will become the terminal. So it's not always obvious, like you have to pick something that's already growing somewhat upright and then you have to make sure it, stay, it, it becomes the upright by uh, firmly wiring it into place and then you have to go in and remove everybody else who's trying to take over so i mean it sounds easy on the radio but it is something you really have to be somewhat selective because blue spruces are pretty beautiful plants so you don't want to mess it up but um but you will have to do some pruning away of the you're getting you know a whole big round mass bird's nest thing growing at the top and you don't want that you want to get back to its proper shape best time to do all that kind of pruning though is in may late may early june Okay, May, June, and, and yeah. how when, long when the, should the stick be? Sorry? Say, say that again? Sorry, uh, how long should that straight stick be? Uh, it depends on what you're working with. Like I said, a, a chopstick sometimes is long mm -hmm. enough, but something, you might need something longer, like a bamboo pole that you can purchase at your local garden center. They come three foot, four foot, five foot. You're not going to need anything. I mean, if it is something five feet tall, the main thing is that you are putting it in a situation where it's rigidly holding one of those branches to become the terminal. And of course, if you don't leave it there forever, it's only there for a year or so. And if you're going to wire it in place, make sure you don't choke off the plant. So better to use 
it's almost like shoelaces or Velcro ties, something that it gives a little bit of, because uh, the plant needs to grow through the growing season as well. So, okay, so something cool. that expands a bit, but still you need that firmly in place. Um, okay, and, it and does happen and some plants are easier than others to train back to what you want them to be. Okay. All right. Good okay, luck with I, that. I, I can't support it against the trunk, so I just got to make some jury rig something that will push it up. Well, in the best case, you will put it against the trunk because that's where you want that leader to be look like it's growing from the center of the plant. Like you don't want to have a, a trunk and then a jog and then a leader coming up a foot from the trunk. You want whatever's going to become your leader to be virtually in line with the trunk. Okay. All Does right. That sense? Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling, Thanks, Clark. Uh, Clark. And, you know, remember as well, you can always, if, if this is a, a valuable plant to your property, you can always call somebody like Shady Lane or the Davy Tree people or whoever certified arborist is in your neighborhood, and they will do it for you. Right. The other thing that I should mention is that you could also always send a little picture. You could send it to Charlie Dobbin, and you can do that through her email at c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. In fact, if you have any questions, and I know, Charlie, you receive questions each and every week via your email, but that's a great way to do it uh, if you uh, if you don't want to call or if you know that type of thing. So if you want to send a picture. Um, I have a first-time caller on the line. We are going to Mississauga. I've got Don. Good morning, Don. Good morning. I Thank you I, for I got, uh, I got to give you your, your garden wings there, Don. Oh, boy. There you go. There you, you go. Them, Welcome. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I listen to you guys often. I enjoy. This is the first time I'm calling. I've got a plant. I was hoping to send a picture. I will try and do that. I just got the, I'm trying to find your email. So the, the plant is, is like an inch wide, and, 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 if you, and, you, and the leaves at the edges, if you rub it in the other direction, you get, it's very sharp, very sharp edges on the leaves. And that plant um, is dying in the last two months. I'm not figuring out why. I'm about to pot it, repot it today, and I'm wondering if I was to take it out of the pot, um, I don't know, the leaves are looking so limp, and it happens so quickly in a matter of two months. I put some Schultz um, feed in it. Yeah. And I usually pretty good. I don't know what has happened, and I'm going to take it out and try and repot it. I'm wondering if I can cut the roots and... and no, and I, would, I wouldn't get too fancy with that, Dawn. Um, the, and don't do any more fertilizing. So Schultz is a fertilizer. Um, so often we think that fertilizer will fix a plant when it's not doing well, but it's not usually the best route to go uh, unless the plant is actively growing, which it likely isn't in January. So... The repotting is stressful. So, again, I wouldn't repot unless you've got roots growing out at the bottom of its current pot. So you've got those drainage holes. If you can see roots growing out the bottom, then, yes, it's appropriate to go up one size in terms of your pot size and take that plant, get some fresh potting mix, moisten the potting mix, transplant into the slightly bigger pot. But I think that for a lot of us at this time of year, when we're seeing our houseplants suddenly start to struggle, it can be a couple of things. One is it could be at drafts. Uh, if a plant is near a window or door that has been opening when it's 25 below zero outside, those cold drafts can be very, very hard on tropical plants, causing them to wilt. Um, it could be hot air coming out of our furnace if plants are near vents. Again, that hot draft or you know hot breeze 
can cause plants to wilt. Sometimes it's because we overwater in the winter. We we don't realize that plants use less water in the winter and we keep up with our water every Sunday schedule. So don't do that ever. Always, always water because the plant is dry, not because it's Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, because um, so feel free if you want to send me a photograph. I can figure out, I can see what it is. And by seeing what it is, I might be able to give you some better, more specific suggestions. But what I've just said is true for all of our tropical house plants. All right. Okay. Thanks, yeah, I'm getting a bit of a panic because uh, yeah, it's been sitting there in one spot for two years almost, and it's been pretty good. But since November, I sent a picture to someone. I looked at that picture, and now it looks like this craggly, sickly-looking thing. And I'm going, "What happened?" Yeah. 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 So oh, okay. shoot another picture and send it off to me. C. Dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay. Thanks. Sorry, I'm sorry. C. Dobbins. Uh huh. At mzmedia. Dot com. Dot com. Got it. You guys are great. I love listening to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, and of course, of course, if you're listening anywhere south of the border, it's mzmedia.com, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't speak American. We only speak Canadian. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, those numbers again. Uh, and please give us a call, 416-360-0740, anywhere in Toronto or anywhere outside of Toronto, one 740 Four seven four zero, and that is a toll-free call. And uh, we're going to one of those folks that called from right inside Toronto right now. We've got Evelyn on the line. How are you this morning, Evelyn? Oh well, thank you. I so enjoy your show, and thank you uh, for taking my call. I have an old hibiscus plant uh, that sits uh, in its south-facing window and does not flower every year. Uh, but currently, I have two flower buds. Um, coming on onto the plant, which is great. And I was just wondering if I should begin fertilizing um, mm. or just keep them the way they are. Uh, okay, so the thing with hibiscus is that it is a very vigorous plant, and when you fertilize it, it's going to grow. So sometimes hibiscus outgrow our love of them or outgrow our homes because they get so big. What I would do is enjoy the flower buds that are there, enjoy the flowers that are there now. Um, keep an eye, don't do any fertilizing yet. Do your same care you've been doing with the plant. Um, and then this is what middle of, oh, third week of January. So in about a month, so by this time in February, you're gonna okay. get out your nice sharp pruners and you're gonna prune that plant. Um, and depending on the size of it, you're going to want to, at the end, have it as a balanced plant so that it's nicely shaped and balanced in the pot. You can cut it back by as much as a third, if you wish, keeping in mind that it's probably going out for the summer. It's going to grow like stink because you're going to start fertilizing it when you do this pruning. So you're going to expect another, you know, a foot of growth anyway this growing season. So cut it back so that it can fulfill that growing and then you'll find that you'll get flower buds by July or August. And that's what you want. And you don't want to start pruning then because you'll be pruning off all the flowers. So that's why we do our pruning in the late winter, early spring. And then we don't have to prune again until the following spring. So um, you would fertilize in February until March then? or? Well, what I would do is I would start fertilizing. And I would fertilize monthly from okay. February slash March through until 
August, September. So oh, we don't it. fertilize in the, the dark days of winter. So no fertilizing through fall and winter, but definitely fertilize once a month through spring and summer with your, oh, okay. with your houseplants. Uh, oh, great. Thank you. So perhaps I'll send you a picture because um, I, I don't keep it outside anymore. Uh, because okay. one year we had an infestation so of something or other, I don't even remember, and I don't want to go through that again. So I've been right. basically keeping it as a small house plant, and okay. I don't mind cutting it back because I don't want it to be huge in the house. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so you want to just choose your time to do your cutting because the last thing you want to do is cut it back when it's just getting ready to flower. Right. So I can... Um, I can start cutting it back in February when I fertilize. And yeah, I'll... and and just try to just not just start cutting it back, but cut it back and be done with your cutting back until the next February. Okay, because my February. husband always freaks out when I cut it back, but it, it's much better. Um, but yeah. I will send you a photo because it's sparse in areas, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I can well, that's it. P- cutting and pruning can certainly make plants look better. Yeah, once mm-hmm. pruning is there's an art unto pruning, but still, <clears throat> when we learn where to prune to fill gaps, it can make a big difference. And hibiscus are great plants to practice with. Yeah, oh, that's great. Thanks. Thanks. And it's Thanks. okay Send to keep it indoors. Thanks, Evelyn. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye, Evelyn. Uh, Charlie, it does seem to me, Charlie, that yeah. house plants, our house plants, including mine, they uh, they thrive a little bit, or maybe they benefit, I guess, maybe a little bit in the winter from a, at least a little bit of neglect in a way. Many of them do. Many of them do. That's when you get your best flowering is when you're not hovering and you're right. not doing a good job <clears throat> watering all the time. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I know it's a funny thing. It's like African violets, right? If you leave them alone, they'll flower. If you hover over them and water them a little bit every day, yep. sure enough, they are just a bunch of leaves. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Now, I sent you a, a picture this morning of uh, my amaryllis, which I took your advice. I cut off that wonderful bloom, and now I think it's putting more energy into the new bloom that's coming up. And uh, and uh, we received an email, you received an email from Cheryl about her amaryllis. Uh, it says, thank you for such a great show. Really enjoy Saturday mornings at minus 22 degrees Celsius as it keeps our hopes up for what's coming. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, she has an amaryllis that's about seven years old. It bloomed the first year and hasn't bloomed since tons of huge long leaves but no blooms she says that last fall she let it die down outside brought it in the house and put it inside two brown paper bags put it away for 13 weeks um i may have quietly threatened it with composting but she did you know if it didn't bloom this year well it's growing there is a long stalk which is getting ready to bloom i'm delighted question should i be fertilizing that now as it's preparing to bloom or wait until it blooms if i need to fertilize it what kind should i use this is completely in line with a lot of questions today mm-hmm. yeah yeah no it's absolutely well it's interesting because we are getting to that time where the plants are starting to respond hey eh? the days are getting longer so as a rule of thumb the fertilizing as i just mentioned to evelyn we fertilize our house plants when they're actively growing, which is typically spring and summer. We don't fertilize fall and winter. That's just a general rule of thumb. When it comes to something like amaryllis, of course, here they are actively growing in January. So it's like, "Mm, this this isn't following the rules, right? This plant is blooming in January uh, when it should just be dormant like or slow down like my other plants. So take your your, uh, indication of what to do from the plants. With bulb plants, 
all the energy, the carbohydrate, the um, everything required to grow leaves and flowers is in the bulb when it starts to grow. But as, mm-hmm. as Cheryl's pointing out, now that it's preparing to bloom, should she be supporting this plant with fertilizer? I would say no. I would say wait, just like you with, with your amaryllis there, Dean. Wait until the blooms are done. You're going to get leaves. Fertilize then. Allow this plant to be a house plant with big green leaves and support the plant with fertilizer monthly during that period, right up until, like I said, August uh, when it, we stop watering and we, or September, and we put it in the house. What kind of fertilizer? I'm a pretty big fan of, of a using an all-purpose fertilizer that would be for flowering plants. Different numbers are out there, different formulations. One of my all-time favorites is 153015, which I'm not sure if you can get so easily anymore. So any kind of fertilizer, typically it's water soluble. So you're going to mix it up in your watering can, but it's going to say that it's for blooms or for flowering. And the middle number is typically going to be the biggest number of the three numbers. And yes, do start fertilizing your amaryllis once the blooms are done. But again, at the most often once a month. Okay, great. I'm going to give out those numbers once more before we take break because um, we have lines open uh, anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere anywhere toll-free in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back here on The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, I got to tell you, whenever I hear that that song with all that list of flowers for Scythia and Sweet William and tulips and delphiniums, and I just get all excited because I know it's coming. It's 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 hey, coming. Hey, speaking of things that were coming and, and went, how was that big snowstorm for you up in your Collingwood homestead? Well, it was good. You know, we, we've talked about it a lot here because we come from the Hamilton area. My my wife and I both born and raised in Hamilton. And, uh, you know, and we, we've we, she was talking to friends and and for them just to get a few inches to get the same amount even <laughs> that we get is a big deal down there, yeah. you know. And she was saying that some of her friends just the other day was saying that they can still see some grass coming up, you know. Oh. We, we get it up here. And it's a way of life up here. So, yeah. you know, we've now been up here for the better part of 20 years in, in Collingwood. And it's just such a way of life here. So we all kind of take it in stride here. And it's just, yeah, you, you drive in it more often. You shovel it more often. Yeah. It you stays whiter. It. it stays stays whiter up here more longer, no you know. It's and so the, the, pretty it, where I am, too. It's white. Well, it's really white snow. It is white, yeah. And the yeah. advantage that we have that I remind people all the time to defend, you know, the cities is that we have space to put it yeah and a lot of times in the city you just don't have anywhere to put it that's part and it's you want to hear something funny i hadn't even thought about this but my brother is visiting right now and sister-in-law who live in in very sort of dense urban toronto and and my brother was like you know when i move my car I'm never going to find a parking spot no. again for another month or so. Like, cause that there's such limited street parking. And when it snows, there's even less parking. So people, their, their lifestyles, their urban lifestyles are generated around whether to drive or not to drive because they don't right. want to lose their parking spot. 
Right, and and I mean our driveway here, and we're we're in a uh, in a subdivision where well, but our house was built so many years ago, so many decades ago that our driveway holds four cars, you know. Yeah. So you know, plus we have all this lawn space on either side of us. There's sure. tons yeah, of room to throw the snow, like an endless amount. That's normal, yeah. Yeah. So now you speaking must of have snow. A snow- blower though right we do have a snow blower but you know what we've been using we've haven't had it out much this year you know my, really? the thing is well i've got a small army you know we have four children sure. so get out and grab the shovels <laughs> It's good exercise. <laughs> there you go. Almost like a baseball team. <laughs> you got it. Speaking of snow, I know that this place must get lots of snow. We are going to yes. North Bay. We've got Irene on the line, and she's a first-time caller. How are you, Irene? I'm fine, thank you. Good. You got lots of snow up there, hon? No, actually, we got missed, so we got Did lucky. You? I think beyond buried, there wasn't that much. Oh, right. gotcha. Okay, so maybe we have more here. Yeah, yeah. You are a first-time caller, Irene, so I've got time. your we'll garden wings. We'll get our turn. There yeah. you go. And you have a question for Charlie. I do, thank you. Um, Charlie, I bought a carton of hen manure, uh, wanting to go just a little more natural for my house plants, but also my balcony plants. Uh, what's the difference between the hen manure uh, and the liquid in a bottle? Oh, it's a good question. So the liquid in a bottle that becomes what we call the blue stuff is yes. syn- it's a synthetic fertilizer. So it's actually made in, um, it's part of the, the petrochemical industry. So it is made in a large factory and it is very specifically designed to provide very specific nutrients, uh, both macro and micronutrients. So macro being your your three that are on the package. So the NPK, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are your macronutrients. But if you read closely on your package, it'll if it's a good quality fertilizer, it'll start talking about molybdenum and zinc and iron and sulfur and other micronutrients. So that's what a synthetic fertilizer provides you. It's very specific and very detailed and um, very consistent. Whereas the hen manure or any of the organic-based fertilizers, which are literally usually composted manures, whether it's sheep manure, cattle manure, hen manure, uh, or even out of the zoo, you can get zoo poo. So you've got different kinds of manures that have been composted down so that they don't smell bad, but they do contain all kinds of nutrients, but you don't absolutely have full detail of what they are. So that's where you're not getting that perfect universal, I know exactly what I'm giving to my plants from a nutrient perspective. But the thing you are giving with the manure that you're not giving with the synthetic fertilizer is you're giving organic matter. And all plants, all soil benefits from organic matter. Um, it's And like you said, you want it to go a little more natural. So yeah. in, a, in the, the land of um, soil in the ground, we have life and we want to support that life. So all the biology, the microbiology that's in the soil is highly supported by the addition of organic matter, whereas the synthetics do not support the bi- biology in the soil. In our houseplants, <clears throat> generally, we aren't looking for a lot of life in the soil in our houseplants. We're generally uh-huh. wanting to support the life in the plants and have the soil basically just be something that the plant grows in. Has that answered your question? <laughs> well, somewhat, but I'm thinking, should I be then in that case providing some of both? No, not usually. What is your head manure? Will have some instructions on it. It will have. What does it say? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, I can. 
Okay, yeah, I was just going to say, like, it'll have some information, and it'll tell you, number one, the nutrient of, that they know is in that hen manure. So there'll be some numbers, I assume. There's also going to be some information about how to use this. Then it'll give you a quantity. So it'll be use, you know, it, it, <clears throat> this package is good enough for one square meter of garden or something like that. Like, it'll always kind of give you an idea of how far this stuff goes, and then I would definitely say choose one or the other. <clears throat> go organic or go synthetic, or at least have a, a three-month interval between one or the other. Don't do both at the same time. Oh, okay. That, that's good. Um, now, would you have confidence in the organic as opposed to? For the in houseplants, a, in houseplants, it wouldn't be as important to me to use something like a hen manure as it is okay. outside. I am a huge, huge fan of supporting the, the life in the soil because a living soil will actually support living plants far better than any inert or dead soil will uh, when it comes to the outside. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of adding organic matter very consistently outside. Okay. okay, and Irene, I'm okay. sorry, I have to uh, you. cut you guys off at that point because I'm a huge fan of taking uh, commercial breaks. Actually, I'm not. <laughs> in, in, in the spirit of, uh, of, of chicken manure, it's a bit crappy, but I have to do it, okay? So here we go. We will be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, the Garden Show is back, and I'm Dean Holland, and my goodness, Charlie, this hour just slips by so quickly. I have such fun with you on this hour. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah. We're going to zip right into a uh, phone call from Toronto. We've got Francis on the line. Good morning, Francis. Good morning. Um, I love your show, and uh, I've called before. Um, calling regarding, I have three orchids. My neighbor gave them to me because their flowers came off. I was wondering, will they flower again? There is a tiny bud at the end of the stalk, and the the leaves at the bottom, they're healthy. Nice. Okay, so keep doing whatever you're doing. You're doing it all right. Uh, okay. Orchids are interesting in that we have that flower stalk, that green mm -hmm. growth, and then buds form, flowers form, and we think they're beautiful, and months go by, then the flowers drop, and we deadhead our, our our plants like we often will cut down flower stalks when the flowers are done oh. but the cool thing about orchids is that they can then send a side shoot off of that flower stalk and produce more buds so never ever cut down the flower stalk until it's completely black or brown okay. and like you're saying another bud seems to be forming which is great okay. uh, the other thing with orchids is you can fertilize them year-round because they never really have a downtime. They never really just want to go to sleep. So a good quality orchid fertilizer following the instructions. I just did this the other day with my orchids. Pail of water, room temperature water, put in the right amount of fertilizer into the pail, took each orchid and, and um, Let dumped it sit for 15 the minutes plants in the water. into the water. Okay. That? Yeah, that's what I did last week. Okay. Good. Okay, so I just have to keep a watch on them, and they're going to bloom again then. Absolutely. And if the leaves are healthy, that's the best thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Great. Bright, indirect light. That's uh, Orchids are very happy. Fabulous. Great. Um, I have a quick question. Mine is not about an orchid, though. Mine is about an amaryllis, believe it or not. So I, really? 
Yeah, we, uh, imagine, eh? I know we talked about the, the amaryllis get all the calls this time of year. Um, so we've talked a lot about my amaryllises in gravel, and we've heard a lot about people. We talk about moisture of soil and things like that. But I was, you know, I have a son who is uh, getting very close to turning 19. He's he's a kinesiology student at uh, York, and uh, and I was explaining to him about the one that's in wax that doesn't seem to need any water or anything like that. So unless I got it wrong, because he was looking at me like, okay, dad, like really? And I said, no, apparently there's, there's all this magic that's inside that bulb. And so it's exactly, it's all in the I bulb. I just needed you to explain this again, because I don't quite understand it. Well, the bottom line is that when the, the dormant amaryllis bulb, that big bulb is enclosed or encased in wax um, there's still all that energy inside the bulb. So what happens, of course, is that the the bulb is ready to grow. You're giving it sunshine, um, you know, warm uh, indoor home temperatures, and it will start to grow all the energy coming from the bulb. As we're enjoying that growth, the flower, the leaves, the bulb is shrinking right before our very eyes because all that energy is going into the flowers and the leaves. At some point, the whole plant will wither and fall over and be ready for the composter because it's not gaining anything back. Um, sure, the leaves will do some photosynthesizing and sure, technically, there's a little bit of carbohydrate being produced. But without the soil, without the moisture, uh, as far that those amaryllis do not ever have a, a second or third life. They have one life only and then they're compost. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, unlike other bulbs, like the one that I have, I can get perhaps another lifetime out of that by, you know, bringing it outside and doing all those things you've told me to do come the spring. Yeah, but you're going to take it out of the gravel at some point and put it into some soil. Gotcha. Okay, great. Okay. What do you got going this week? Um, well, like I said, I got house guests and we're going to, I'm going to take them down to a beautiful little bay called Pleasant Bay mm -hmm. on uh, the south shore of Prince Edward County and um, go for a nice walk. Uh, sun is coming out, temperatures are going up and it doesn't seem to be a particularly windy day. So it's a nice day to go down, I think, and, and do some sort of hiking along the lake. And uh, otherwise, yeah, just uh, hanging out and enjoying the days getting longer, uh, the birds being so active, my little friendly fox uh, is leaving footprints every night. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, stuff's happening here for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. We've I I caught a couple of cardinals out the back window the other day. We have a a place in the lower level where the uh, the dryer vent, of course, it it defrosts a little bit of the snow on the ground there, oh. and it's just outside a window. And I caught a couple of cardinals out there the other day. It was it was great. Nice. So you might want to feed them. Yes, indeed. I should try and do and, that. Um, and cardinals uh, eat safflower seed, just so you oh, know. Anyway, it's done. Okay. We have no more minutes together, but thank you, Dean. It's been it's been fun, as uh -huh. usual. Enjoy your week coming up. And uh, thank you, well. Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without you. Callers, lovely. Keep those calls coming. Love your tips. Love your questions. And we'll do it all again when I see you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.